Welcome to the Tiproxy Method, creating confident learners. The Tiproxy Method uses a unique combination of breath work, brain body work, gratitude, and a clay-based program to affect the neuroplasticity of the brain in students. To help strengthen their mind-body connection, help them develop a growth mindset, and most importantly, trust and confidence in themselves. Aloha and welcome to another episode of the Creating Confident Learners podcast. Today we are doing another question and answer episode. I'm so excited to be doing another one of these. Today the question is, what have you noticed in academics since the COVID pandemic? So how has COVID affected school and learning and everything under that umbrella? Make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. One way to support the Creating Confident Learners podcast is to leave a five-star review and written review anywhere you listen to it. Thanks so much, and let's get started. Be sure to sign up for the foundation course. This course is here to support you, both parents and educators. It teaches the exact foundational tools I have used with students to increase focus, ease anxiety, and help raise confidence and self-esteem so that they can succeed in all areas of their lives, including academics. It's made into bite-sized digestible pieces to help you apply these tools right away. So I've been asked a few times about just what I've noticed as a teacher in academics post-COVID or what if there's been any things that have lagged behind or that have shown as a matter of the pandemic. And not surprisingly, there's been a little bit of a lag in kids in general as a whole being out of school for part of a year, a year or two, depending on their story. There's just kind of what I've noticed a slight delay in their basic skills or foundational skills. Um, math, reading, writing, and spelling, or just the comprehension of new skills has kind of, it just seems to be a little bit slower. Like the, the amount of practice to get a new skill, a new concept takes a little bit longer. Um, and it doesn't seem to stick as thoroughly as a general blanket statement for what I've kind of noticed. But I've also noticed in one area of academics and math with a basic fact of carrying numbers, a higher frequency of the mistake of carrying the wrong number than I ever did before COVID. I used to see that quite rarely, and it usually was with kids with really low math skills. They might even have that dyscalculia label, but really I didn't see there's just such a high frequency of kids um, carrying the ones up top for adding and multi-digit and multiplication in general that I didn't see um, before. So that for some reason, just kind of the place values, what does the ones mean, the tens means, hundreds place value mean, what does that mean? And how do you carry a number properly? I've actually seen that quite a high number with that type of mistake with not just kids who really struggle in math, just kind of in general. For some reason, that one concept has eluded a lot of kids. And I didn't really see it before um, the pandemic. And it's, it's not so much even the kids who have those big learning differences, it kind of is like a, across the board, um, not necessarily having anything major going on with processing. Um, I also think that the kids who were kind of in their foundational years in 2019, 2020, 2020, and 2021 school years were the ones who suffered the most, who kind of got like 
the most gaps in their knowledge, especially the kindergartners who had no contact time and they missed that halfway through the year, the kind of like foundational years, the first, second graders, and then the transitional years into a new school level, such as into school, the kindergartners, into middle school, those sixth graders, and into high school, the ninth graders. But but really... Um, where that's kind of a bigger academic jump, those kids kind of wobbled more than they would just in a normal school year. And some of that lack of face time for the kindergarten, first, second grade, or not having structure at home or support at home or having to learn through Zoom in a group setting where focus and attention and some prior knowledge was required, I think that they kind of suffered the most. Again, kids are resilient. They're catching up. But there's just as a general, there's almost a slower intake to basic knowledge that I've noticed. And, you know, the core subjects in general, where a kid in general will struggle with not getting enough practice time, it's kind of like that was compounded over that time. And that's what a lot of what I do is teaching to the gaps where a kid needs more individualized attention to stay caught up to their peers, the pace of the class. This is kind of doubled in the amount of what is needed. I kind of feel like I have more gaps to address, more kind of holes in understanding from just not being present in school. Because again, in a classroom setting, even in person, there are times where kids kind of slip through the crack. You have 20 kids, 25 kids, 30 kids with one teacher. You know, it's impossible to make sure that everybody is getting it's a kind of that 80 20 rule. I think it's an 85 15% rule, to be honest. Um, but then you compound that onto a group setting on a computer. And you know, there's a lot that was kind of lost. And I, I actually love zoom for one on one online teaching. Actually, I've seen kids zone in when it's just them and me as a teacher. But in a classroom setting, if a parent wasn't sitting there next to them, especially if a foundational skill was missing or focus or distraction or issues, those kids lost some information in that time. But I keep coming back to where I would see like where some students may not have struggled with proper support, but the move in the middle of the year from um, in-person to remote where both the kids and the teachers were learning to navigate that in a group setting was some of those factors of where some of the knowledge got lost And again, remote learning one-on-one through the computer is great. Actually, I've seen some kids really focus more in that setting. I don't know if it's just a technology um, jump, although I always believe that getting kids with pencil, paper, real books, real paper um, is really, really important for them. And I would say also the students who were older or have kind of more of a traditional academic base and academic skills in place already, they were able to transition Um, a little bit more. And so, again, when we have our base skills, our foundational skills, the processing, the presence, the mindset, along with the math skills, the basic math skills, the basic accuracy, the reading, the writing, spelling, and really deep comprehension and expanded vocabulary, then that can be applied to all of the other courses as we get older sciences, history, civics, um, permutations and combinations, and any other course that's going to come through at the higher levels. So those kids who had that in place, and there is has been in the last, I would say, 10, maybe even 15 years, 
or maybe last 10 to five years, there's been an explosion in more remote learning, in online learning, on a curriculum that's different. So I don't think it was as big of a jump as it could have been. Again, I, Zoom is great for one-on-one learning, but the Zoom as a classroom, if the parents weren't really sitting there, especially for elementary kids directly there, then a lot of information might have gotten lost. And if these kids weren't self-motivated or self-focused, you know, that kind of compounds that issue. Kids who went to more of a homeschool type setting or pods during the pandemic and left kind of the traditional classrooms and now are going back into the traditional classroom settings, or there's some gap in pace and knowledge. I do think unfortunately a lot of kids got left behind and we're having to fill in a lot of those gaps in knowledge at a higher frequency than ever before. And even with those kids who were with tons of support through the through the pandemic, there is still some lost information. Again, you know, it'll it'll get solved in the way that it's going to get solved. Um, I do think the pandemic did kind of give some perspective to people and parents and really understanding how much of a skill teaching is and how much of a specialty and a special skill it truly is. And I think that was actually a blessing um, in disguise to get a a glimpse as to what happens in the classroom and into the process of learning of how to really get your child to understand the concept at hand. And, you know, I came across this quote in that time, and I've seen other quotes that kind of echo this. But, you know, sometimes the quote goes, if teachers are essential, don't treat them as dispensable. And sometimes with how educated teachers are and how much schooling goes into it and how much of a skill it really is and how much a lot of people don't understand what it takes to be a really uh, excellent teacher, competent teacher, you know, because there's... The teaching profession is probably the hardest thing I've ever done, and yet it's one of the most rewarding. So there's that part too. But like, again, I think from the pandemic, we did come to notice how wonderful, really good teachers are. Um, another teacher a friend of mine sent me recently a YouTube video, and it's called If We Treated Teachers Like Pro Athletes. And I'll link that in the show notes, this video, but, and it's so, so funny and it's so well done and it's laughable, but honestly, it also makes me want to cry because we don't treat educated teachers the way that we do professional athletes. And, you know, there's such a high rate of burnout. I mean, yeah, most teachers burn out in five years. The teaching turnaround is that quick. And even with, you know, education, it's just there's so much that's being asked of teachers. And the fact that we don't compensate teachers well for the hard work that they do, that adds to I know a ton of people who would be amazing teachers. And they point blank said, I don't want to be a teacher because I didn't want I wanted to get paid more. I wanted to I don't want to have to pay out of my pocket to do what I'm doing. So again, if we use just 1% of what we do for military services, we could completely revolutionize our our education system. I always think that if we paid teachers, you know, very well six figures, then we would have a different caliber, a different pool of teachers showing up in the profession. Um, and that's just kind of food for thought. But there was also another post going around that I saw as well. And, they're, and it, it started as a joke or almost kind of like tongue in cheek of like, so, hey, if we paid teachers the babysitter rate, And that's not even, 
you know, they've gone to college, they've gone, they've, people have masters and PhDs, you know, and degrees, at least BAs here. The post went along the lines that if we paid teachers as a babysitter, so that's like $10 a head per child per hour, you know, and paid them as we would a babysitter per child. And we even paid them just the days they worked. So taking away holidays, taking away breaks, taking away furloughs, taking that 182, 83 school year, they would still be making over $300,000. So just kind of puts into perspective how little we value teachers sometimes. And, you know, especially when teachers now are, you know, I am going to say it's one of the most challenging and wonderful professions, but also, we, you know, there's something to say about that. I do believe that for as long as I can remember, I was actually quite a vocal in my college years of like, why don't we pay teachers more? You know, I almost didn't become a teacher myself, but, you know, there was many other reasons or kind of life uh, paths that made me become the private educator that I am, which I would never change for the world at this point in time in hindsight. But I, as long as I can believe, I was thinking in my college days, if we paid teachers six figures, we would have a different teaching pool entirely. We would have the people who, you know, were really knowledgeable. And we do have it on certain levels. We have that up in the university levels and we have that kind of salary in the higher levels. But, you know, kind of where we treat teachers in general, um, especially, I mean, it's no surprise to people that teachers pay out of pocket for certain things and, you know, materials and supplies and, and, you know, we get in the classroom, teachers are clocked for the contract hours of usually about seven hours a day, but then there's the after school stuff that, you know, other teachers do too often, the prep work, all these other things that go behind the scene that people don't see. So I think with the COVID pandemic, there was actually a little bit of a peak of into how much goes into actually creating true learning for children. And, you know, in general, with the gaps in knowledge, those are all teachable, whether it needs to be more in a one-on-one setting or just kind of, you know, building tools and, and base for kids as where they're at as we go through the years. Again, the brain is really cool. Once kids get things, it just the, it synaptically connects and it's retained. And that's what we need to do post-COVID. Be sure to sign up for the foundation course. This course is here to support you. It teaches the exact foundational tools I have used with students to ease anxiety and help raise confidence and self-esteem so that they can succeed in all areas of their lives, including academics. It's available as a one-time purchase or as an ongoing monthly subscription with extra group support and monthly live stream. Be sure to sign up for the newsletter to stay in contact. Keep up with the Creating Confident Learners community on Instagram and Facebook at Creating Confident Learners. Have a blessed day and aloha.